Stand, stand with me, if you will, as we read Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You may be seated. Now, this is the end of this message that we've been talking about, fasting, the purpose of fasting. And we, you know, if you want to explain fasting, it's a pretty simple explanation. Fasting is giving something up um, of value or something that matters to you uh, for a period of time. And it, when we break it spiritual, uh, the spiritual application is we give something up that matters to us. If it matters to us, it matters to God. And we do that for a purpose. And the purpose is spiritual growth. And I hope uh, I challenged you to, to spend more time in prayer and to read 1st, uh, 2nd, uh, second, and 3rd John uh, through <clears throat> once, uh, once each week. And I hope that that uh, spoke to you. Last night I was, I was finishing up 3rd uh, John. And when I started in youth ministry uh, all, those, all those years ago, um, <clears throat> how many of you have a life verse? Have you ever, had a, you've ever claimed a verse? Right? Maybe, maybe it's changed over time. Uh, you've gone different things. Well, I had a, a verse for ministry, uh, and spe specifically ministry with youth, uh, and it was 3 John verse 4. So I just kind of waited for that. As I was listening to, I was, I, sometimes I, I listen to the Bible on my Bible app. And, uh, 3 John verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Man, that, uh, that just spoke to me. That verse just spoke to me. Uh, again and again and again and it just kept coming back to me again and again and again and it reminded me of the years of ministry and and the years of uh, of working in the church and uh, so the two weeks have been have been good they've been beneficial and as we've talked about it we've been preaching on uh, on what it means to to be involved in a fast and what a fast is about, what it's for. We said we, uh, first, uh, first week we talked about sacrifice. Fasting is a sacrifice. Sacrifice leads to surrender and we talked about what surrender is. And now we're finishing up this message on uh, surrender leads to service. So sacrifice leads to surrender, which produces service in our life. And that is, if you want to know if you're healthy and growing as a Christian and as a church, are you serving? Is the sacrifice that you've made, the surrender that you've attained, is that producing service in your life? The idea of serving God is seen throughout the Bible. Literally every book of the Bible speaks about someone give, uh, serving God in some way. It's undeniable and unmistakable. Now, uh, kind of taken some, tried to tear some things down, and now we're going to be building back up. Uh, today, if we follow through the thoughts of the New Testament, the natural progression for a true committed follower of Jesus is service. That is the natural progression of our faith. It leads to service. We sacrifice to learn surrender so that we can commit ourselves to service. Now, Jesus didn't just say for us to go out and do good and be good and, and treat our neighbors fine. well. That's part of it, but he had a plan. 
And he planted the seeds of that plan and watched it grow until it was time for his followers to move forward in that plan without him around. Jesus had and still has a plan to reach this world with the message of his love. And it's a plan that everyone of us that know him as personal savior can and should be involved in. That plan is the local church. Jesus introduced the idea of the church. He chose 12 men that he entrusted the early foundational teachings of the church to. And he gave them, as well as any who would follow him, the power not only to be called his children, but to go out and change the world through love, commitment, and service through a local church. There is a plan. In fact, Rick Warren went so far as to say, many believe one can be a good Christian without joining or even attending a local church, but God would strongly disagree. I, gave you, I, I read this quote to you last week. Nancy Lee DeMoss said this, being dis, uh, disconnected from the local church for whatever reason is a dangerous way to live. Not only do these lone rangers miss out on the blessings of functioning within the context of the body of Christ, but like lone sheep away from the safety of the flock and the watchful care of our shepherd, they are vulnerable to predators of every sort. There isn't just service in the, in the church, there's safety here. There's safety, there's camaraderie. If it works right, if we are committed to it properly, if we are dedicated to the church and to the call of Jesus Christ, this is a place of safety as well as service. David Jeremiah said every believer is commanded to be plugged in to a local church. I believe in the local church. Jesus gave his life for the church. I'm trying to do the same. I believe in its structure, in its purpose, in its function, in its effectiveness, and in its potential. And I believe in its members. When they are fully engaged and connected, I don't think there's anything better than the local church. Building a functional, effective church in, today, in today's world is vital. Now, is it difficult? Absolutely. But it's vital. Let me tell you, Aylin said something uh, about what happened last night, and I get it, and it... it, it, it warms my heart that people care about uh, our associate pastor, their friends like that. I received a phone call from Zach last night uh, that said, hey, <laughs> we just heard gunshots in the mall. There's an active shooter in the mall and we're being evacuated. That's not a news story. That's my son. Um, I went through a whole range of emotions. I was a little bit scared. What the heck? I mean, have you been watching the news? California is like a shooting range right now. It's going on all over the place. I was angry. And I felt incredibly helpless. You know what I did? I texted a message to be sent out to my church because I believe my church would be would accept the call to arms and pray and I could breathe a sigh of relief I don't know how long it was it seemed like it seemed like a lifetime before Zach called me back and said hey they said we can go in and get our stuff and go home um, before that Tiffany texted me and she said hey SWAT just got to the mall oh well, that's exciting. It's not a TV show. It's real life. 
What was comforting is that text I could send out. And when that group text was sent to everyone on the prayer chain, knowing that people were praying for my son, because how many of you have ever found yourself in a situation like that where it's very difficult to pray because you can't get your head in the right frame? Like, what, what do I do right now? What do I do? God, I don't know what to do. What, I'm just thankful that there were people that picked up the mantle and prayed. I believe in the church. I believe in what God has established. We talked a lot about it last week. This week we're going to get into what true service is in the local church. What the local church is. What it's about. True service begins in the local church. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of theology, a little bit of theology, theology lesson here. And then we're going to get into some uh, more uh, theology and church polity, what we'll be more, more talking about uh, today. Where do we get the word church? Have you ever wondered about that? Where do we get the word church? Well, the word church comes from the, the Greek word ekklesia or ecclesia. Depends on where you're from and what denomination you grew up in, how you pronounce that either. Ecclesia or ecclesia. The reason I say ecclesia is because all the professors I had in college said ecclesia. So that's why I say it that way. It means a calling out. It does not necessarily mean a religious body. It means a, call, a group called out for a purpose. In fact, it was, taught, it was called, uh, it was used when uh, citizens were called out to handle uh, civic matters and when legal matters were taken they were called out for a purpose well Jesus chose that word ecclesia when he said in Matthew 16 I'll build my church saying that this will be my called out assembly so Jesus chose that word ecclesia to talk about the church he established that name that's why many of you who grew up in the assemblies of God denomination they assembly of God is comes from it's actually a very very biblical term assembly is what the word ecclesia is speaking of the doctrine or study of the church is called ecclesiology just taking that word and, and expanding it out study of the church that's all that means every place in the New Testament that the word church is used it is the Greek word ecclesia there's not a place where the word church is used in the New Testament that the word ecclesia is not the Greek word that is used. So it's a consistent theme. Why do I say that? Because Jesus used it, and Paul used it, and Peter used it, and John used it, and James used it in the same yet different senses. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He would say, I will build my ecclesia. Jesus was talking there about a universal body of believers. Now, if you're a good fundamental Baptist and you grew up in a good, strong, fundamental Baptist church, you will know that uh, most fundamental Baptist pastors don't believe in what is called the universal church. We are local church, okay? I am of the opinion, and I, I, have the, I have biblical basis for it, 
that it exists in both senses. There is a universal body of Christ, universal body of believers. Jesus called it the church, so you know what? I think I'll call it the church too, right? But there's also a local body of believers. Think globally, act locally. Anybody heard that, state, that phrase before? That's most, mostly uh, when people talk about being a citizen of the world, okay? But be a, be a follower of Christ. Think globally, act locally. I, I'd rather say think eternally, act locally. Because as a body of believers, by the way, that's the reason why when you go to another church of like faith, you seem to fit right in. You seem to have a commonality there, right? Because we do have the greatest commonality. We're followers of Jesus. We're children of God. So there is a local, there is a universal concept to the church in that we are all part of the body of Christ. But the way the church uh, impacts the world is on the local level. The structure of the church the structure of the local church is mentioned in every New Testament book. Every New Testament book mentions something about the structure of the local church. In 18 New Testament books, they are written directly to churches, especially the writings of Paul. Paul writes directly to local churches. It may be one, it may be a group. Uh, he, in Romans, he writes to the Christians in Rome. Now, Romans probably, there were probably several different churches. It's thought, uh, it's thought that there were several different churches in Rome because Rome was such a huge city. Okay? And they didn't have cars or scooters or anything like that to get around. So it's thought that they met in various different places. Same thing in Jerusalem. But 18 New Testament books are written directly to churches. Four are written to leadership and about leadership and the structure of the church. And five, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, are written to record the history and establishment of the early church movement. The, 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 the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record the, the pre, uh, the, the infancy, I guess you would say, of the church, the incubation of the church movement. How Jesus came about to start it. There's a lot we can learn about the, the church by reading the Gospels. Mostly we learn about the, the mentality and the philosophy of ministry that Jesus had by reading the Gospels. Then we get into Acts, right? Acts is, Acts is one of my favorite books. I love the book of Acts because it's like, it's an action, man. It's a history book. I love history. I love studying history. I love reading about history. I love historical novels. And I love the book of Acts because Acts tells me how the church was established and planted and how it grew. And Acts is always inspiring because that, that song, uh, I believe you move the mountains and I believe you can do it again. I believe what God did before, he can do again. The difference is back then, um, there was a stronger level of faith and belief and there were less distractions. And today, we're on the opposite end of that spectrum. Every book of the New Testament gives instructions in areas such as the operation, the mission, the purpose, and unity of the church. But, and here's, this is important, this is important, and uh, listen up, listen up. Tell people that aren't here today to watch this one on YouTube or Facebook, because I'm about to drop some biblical knowledge on you. Biblical knowledge as well as uh, 
philosophy of ministry, okay? All of that is true. 18 books of the Bible written directly to churches. Four are written to leadership and about leadership and structure. Five are written to record the history and establishment of the church. Every New Testament book gives instruction on things such as the operation, mission, purpose, and unity of the church. But, and this should probably be up on the screen, there is no verse in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, that advocates or endorses ministry outside of a local church or endorses an individual believer in Jesus not being part of a local church. The idea is just not there. Therefore, the argument that you can be okay with God without being part of the organization, the local church, is not only not scriptural, it is without a doubt rebellion against the establishment, the established and biblically endorsed plan of God. Those initials there, they're not up there, but they should be. It says PJ. They're on that one, they're cut off back here. PJ, that's me. Quoted myself. <laughs> it's not there. Listen, listen, folks. COVID is in the rear view. All right? It's over. It's over. Watch the news. It's over. Scare tactics are over. All of it is, and I'm not saying it, please, don't, that was a bad thing to say. I believe in it, okay? I'm vaccinated. But it's over. Move on with life. It's like getting a shot for the flu now. That's exactly what the CDC says and the FDA. It's like getting a shot for the flu now. Get it. If those of you who didn't know that, this week the FDA just said you get a shot once a year now for COVID just like the flu. It's over. Okay? It's in the, it's in the rear view. That means it's in the rear view for us as well. Okay? Now it's time to move forward. Now it's time to get back to what the, the structure of the church is supposed to be. That also means that the bad habits that we got into during COVID need to be in the rear view. That means we should be, we need to be in church, yo. 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 We need to be in church. We need to be fellowshipping with believers. We need to start getting back to what the Bible tells us to do. Oh, well, you just don't understand. You just don't. Honestly, as a man, no, I don't, okay? I don't, but I come from a different generation. I get that, I understand that. I'm reminded every day that I come from a different generation. But just because it's a different generation doesn't mean it was wrong. In fact, I could make a great argument that if we would get back to what the generation that raised me and Charlie and Melvin and Deb and my siblings, if we get back to the general, not the bad things, but the, the, the good things. We were talking about it on the way here with Miss Joan. Um, structure. I talked to Erin about what they do in her school. Uh, structure. Holding kids accountable. Having expectations. Those things, those things are not happening much anymore. I think our government only shows up to work two days a week right now. Come on, man. Come on. It's time. And that's systemic in the church as well. People show up every once in a while. No, get back. Listen, there is no excuse. Let me just, let me just make it simple. Bring it down to say, you either accept truth or you don't. You either say, I'm going to be in church 
or I don't want to be injured. Don't try to make a biblical argument for it. You can if you want. You're going to fall on your face. It's going to be, it's not going to work. It just, it's just not there. Just be honest and say, I have, I, have, I have other priorities in my life. And I'm not going to be snarky or cynical and say, say I have other priorities in my life except for God. That's not what I'm going to say. There's an argument that can be made that says that's exactly what you're saying. But I'm just simply going to say, just be honest and say, you, you have other priorities instead of being in church. I, 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 I understand it. Okay? But let's get back to the basics of Scripture and the Bible and the way a church is supposed to be run and the way we as members are supposed to see it. The concept of the church is introduced by Jesus himself. I've said this a couple times already. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is speaking. He says, And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now, uh, how many of you grew up in uh, a Catholic church or another type of church that said Peter is the rock that Jesus built the church on? Peter, that's why Peter, they say, is the first pope, this, that, and the other thing. Now, I get it. I understand it. And you read that face value, and it's like, oh, okay, I understand what the Catholic church is saying. You have to go in. This is where you have to do word studies. Nine, eight or nine years old, I remember sitting at our dining room table on Sunday afternoons before we'd travel an hour to go to the church that my dad pastored in. Bel Air, Maryland. It wasn't Bel Air. It was a little suburb of Bel Air, um, Bethel Baptist Church. And I was in the adult Bible study at nine years old, man. Nine years old. And I was expected to do a word study on a verse. And I, my dad taught me how to do word studies. Take out the old Strong's Concordance, right? And look that up. Do it. Now we can go on Blue Letter Bible and you can do that or, or some of the other things. There are two different words there in that verse that are used. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The word Peter there in the Greek is the word Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S. Okay? It means little stone. Actually, one of the usages is weak stone because it's small. Some have described it in the vernacular of a chip off the old block. Okay, if, if we're making a transition to English. But it means little stone, Petros. And that's what you, you are Petros. You're a little stone. But then he goes on to say, and on this rock, I will build my church. Well, that's a different word. The word rock there that he says about himself is the word Petra. I mean, I mean the old Christian rockers listen to the group Petra. Petra, yeah. Ah. Uh. Good, good band, Petra. The word there is Petra. Big boulder. Firm foundation. In fact, one usage is a solid ledge. Something you can build on. So there's two different words there. Jesus said, you're Peter, and I'm going to use you, but this is the rock I'm building on. I'm build, I will build my church on me. That's why it's so vitally important that we use God's word to run our church and to have our church as, as we exist, the things we do. That's why it's so important. Because Jesus didn't say, I will build my church on your traditions. He didn't say, I will build your, my church on your preferences. I will build my church on me as the foundation. 
If you build on me as your foundation, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Oh, you'll be rocked. You'll go through struggles. You'll have difficulties, but you will not lose. The day we start compromising our beliefs of, of strength and teaching of the word of God is the day that we begin the decline and fall of New Life Church and watch this church go under. I will build my church on me. And if you're going to build a church, you need to follow the pattern I've laid out. Jesus stated clearly that his church was going to be built on the foundation of him and no one else. And that is why the Bible is our only source for faith and practice. Now the mission of the, of the church is revealed by Jesus. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We are not a bake sale organization. We are not a clothing drive organization. We have a purpose. We have a mission. That mission we find in a couple different places, but my two favorite verses are here. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Last, one of the last things that, it's the last thing Matthew records of, of Jesus saying as he is, just before he is taken back up into heaven. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The local church has been given the responsibility to teach, preach, and reach according to the truth of the scripture. James Montgomery Boyce said, Preaching is the primary means of growth for the local church. There's a great deal of debate about this in our day, but it is the preaching of the word of God that, must, uh, that God uses most to build up a church, not only numerically, but above all, and far more importantly, in spiritual depth and understanding of the people who make up the congregation. Like it or not, God has established preaching as the primary means of spiritual growth of the church. And then teaching, Bible studies. That is God's plan. Once again, fight it if you want. But you will not find biblical basis for anything different. Why do I say that? Do we have a problem here with that at New Life? Absolutely not. But there are problems throughout this country. There are problems throughout our region with this. Churches are getting into more areas of life than simply spreading the gospel. They're getting into different areas of life. Listen, this is a preparing ground. This is a building ground here. This is a construction zone. So that you can build up your most holy faith. So that you can go out there and reach the world for Jesus Christ. That's what the church is supposed to be. We don't solve the problems of society within these walls. We prepare ourselves to go out and do battle in the world for the souls of men and women. I firmly believe that if you change somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to change them. You will change society. I believe that with all my heart. Secondly, we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Luke records one of the last things that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven as well. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be 
my witnesses in all Judea, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there we're given a process and we're, giving a, we're given a plan as to how to reach the world and what is our priority. Our priority is Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem? He was speaking to Jews from Jerusalem. He was saying, your, your city, your town, where you're at, that's your priority. Local, local, local first. Then Judea. Well, in Judea, that's the surrounding area, the Springfield metro area. There's other churches. And this is where I believe we fail many times as churches because we're not spreading out and reaching out to, with, and, and maximizing what we could do with other churches. We get together for worship times. We get together for concerts. Just think, we, we took the boys uh, down to see Toby Mac last year. First concert they've ever been to, saw Toby Mac. And there were, I don't know what they hold there at, at Hartford, probably 10,000, 12,000 people there. Can you imagine if we could get 12,000 Christians excited about going out and evangelizing our area, working together? What was amazing is Christians from all stripes, Christians from all denominations, Christians from all beliefs, from all different, you know, I think there were even some charismatics there, and some... Fundamental Baptist. I'm not sure about the fundamental Baptist because there was dancing involved. But uh, they were people from all different faith um, stripes there. And everybody was worshiping together in one accord for one purpose, to praise Jesus. What if we could do that in ministry? That's what he's called us to do. That's what his purpose and plan is. And then he says, Samaria, our country, and the ends of the earth. That's why we have a missions program. The ends of the earth. The local church is responsible to evangelize from the inside out. Like a rock thrown into a lake, the waves go from the point of impact and stretch to the farthest reaches of the lake from shore to shore. This is the model of local church ministries and missions. True service in the local church, well, true service is the least we can do. True service is the least we can do as followers of Jesus. I was talking to my mom about this a few days ago. We're on the phone just chatting. My mom is one of the, one of the best people I've she, she's a, my mom is the best person I've ever known. I just got to tell you, this. she's the best person I've ever known in my life. Sweetest lady, just a wonderful, wonderful woman. Mom, I'm going to quote you right now, if that's all right. My mom said to me on the phone, how can I not serve Jesus? He died for me. But, well, that's profound. That is profound in its simplicity. How can I not serve Jesus? He died for me. He gave his life for me. Do you realize that the reason you have hope is because of Jesus? The reason you're supposed to be able to have joy is because of Jesus. The reason you're supposed to be able to overcome fear is because of Jesus. The reason you're supposed to be able to see this world 
and say, this is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The reason you can say that and sing that and feel that way is because he died for you. Oh, but Pastor John, look at the world. Exactly. Look at the world. He died for them too. That's why we should do what we do. We had a challenging week in the Chase House. And it was capped off by a Saturday night that was a little more exciting than I cared for. And it's going to get more challenging as the time goes on. But I'll tell you what, the one thing I feel right now for my family is hope. Hope. You know why? Because I serve a God who works miracles. I serve a God that is in control. And I serve a God who has brought people into my life who can lift up my hands when my hands are weary, hold up my arms when my arms are tired, and brace me when I'm too weak to go on, and call me, and talk me off that ledge when I'm ready to blow the world up. The reason I can live life with a smile and keep going back for more and more and more because of what my mom taught me. John, how can you not serve Jesus? He died for you. It's that simple. You have a future because of Jesus. This should, should prompt a response of service. The Bible established the blueprint of the local church. All missions is local. At least 33 different local churches are mentioned in the New Testament in six different regions. In fact, some of the, some of the, the New Testament epistles are written to groups of churches. They're not just written to one church. They're written to groups in a region. But there's at least 33 individual churches mentioned. The church had its first service on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached a sermon and there was an amazing response. I'm not going to take the time to read all of Acts 2, 41 through 47, but we will read verse 1. And so they who accepted his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 people were added to the church. You go on and read the book of Acts and it says over and over and over again. They rejoiced, they stuck to the, the, the apostles' doctrine, and the Lord continued to add to them daily. Daily, God was building the church back then. Daily, God was building the church back then. Why? Because they took the right political stands? Why? Because they were socially active and socially acceptable? Why? Because they were affirming? No. No. Because daily, they followed the apostles' doctrine. What is the apostles' doctrine? The word that they were taught from Jesus Christ, the Bible. 
You see, folks, we have got to get back to the word. That means in everything, not just in what we believe, but in how we act, how we live, how we conduct ourselves here. Now, I, I got to tell you, I, I messaged Zach this week about this. Because something amazing happened during the pandemic. Even though church attendance fell and many believers walked away, in the non-believing world, a seismic shift took place. In October of 2022, that's just three months ago, Barna Group surveyed 2,000 U.S. adults. 74%, 74% of U.S. adults today say they want to grow spiritually. Now, that sounds great, and I, I think it is great, because they're open. They're open to hearing. Additionally, the same, by this, almost the same proportion, 77%, Say they believe in a higher power. Listen, man, I'm, I follow statistics and I've followed this through the years. That's amazing that now 77%, fully 77%, for all, for all practical purposes, that's four out of every five Americans believe in a higher power. That's a seismic shift in this country. Nearly half say they are open to God more today than they were before the pandemic. Overall, 80% of Americans say they think there is a spiritual or natural dimension to the world. 11% say they don't think a dimension exists, but it's possible. Only 9% say that they do not believe in anything after this world. That's amazing. And in the church, in the church, you want to know why we, we push the youth ministry here? You want to know why we put so much emphasis on it? Because in the church, 76% of teenagers say that Jesus speaks to them in a way that is relevant to their life. Three out of every four teenagers today is now feeling like Jesus is speaking to their life. Tell me again that it's more important to get your kids involved in sports and other things that it is in church. David Kinneman, who uh, runs these surveys and, and is a huge part of the Barna organization, said this, the teens in our study are not jaded or cynical. They are open to different faiths. This is the challenge, okay? This is the challenge. Is this up on the screen? I'm not sure. Um, they are open to different faiths, including Christianity, and they're open to friends, causes, and ideas. Though parents, educators, and others who mentor young, young people have a tall task to provide wise guidance to emerging adults, today's teens are confronting the church with something that I think we haven't seen before, a kind of blank slate, a chance to imagine a different future. I don't know how many times I've talked to teenagers here while, while I've been, I, I subbed four days this week at the high school. And I, I was recorded one day, I guess. Um, somebody asked me what I thought about abortion, so I told them. Um, they recorded that. That's cool. I said, listen, there's about 500 different recordings on Facebook and YouTube. You can go if you want to know what I believe. So I'm not ashamed of it. I think it's murder. I think it's wrong. Absolutely, 100%. 
One kid said America is her expletive. I said, well, I disagree. I disagree. One of the reasons America's greatest nation on earth is because we have religious freedom. We, have the, we still have religious freedom here. Oh, well, so-and-so country is a, no, they're not. Go to, go to, go to uh, Canada, our neighbors to the north, where a pastor who was, in, who was jailed several times for the, for the terrible crime. Now, you've got, listen, in this, in this country, including in, China, in, in, in Canada, there's human trafficking going on. There's drug dealing and drug trafficking going on. There's all these kind of things. But you know what they're worried about? They're worried about this cat who decided to have church services during the pandemic. And he's going on trial in Canada. He's going on trial for holding church during the pandemic. He faces 10 years in prison for having the nerve to hold a church service during the pandemic. Now, you can think whatever you want while he's defying the government. Well, I can take you to the Bible and I can show you where I'm supposed to believe God rather than man. And I'll tell you what, when we went through our issue here with the town and with the state over COVID and what they wanted names and stuff, I didn't give them anybody's name. Don't worry about it. Okay. Called the gov I, I told them. They threatened me with jail. Okay. I'm still going to stand for my faith. That doesn't make me a hero. What it does is make me a man that says, listen, I'm going to stand for Jesus, not you. I'm going to stand for what I believe, not you. The moment I cave on my belief system is the moment they start taking away my freedom. Those days may come, but it's not going to happen today. So, but these young people today, so many of them are open about the fact that I am, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And some of them, I don't know what to believe. And so many of these kids have no understanding or foundation of church at all or what a church is. They are literally a blank slate. It's what I've been saying for years now. This is an amazing mission field. We can bemoan the fact that, oh, this is, we're post-Christian. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. How about this? How about we say, listen, this is an amazing mission field. Every day we walk out of our door, every day we go into work, every day we send our kids to school, we are sending light into the darkness. Every day. That should be exciting, not depressing. Every day we have the opportunity, we have the privilege. And then once, at least once a week on Sunday, we get to come back in here and we get to be we, we get the fellowship, we get to be encouraged, we get to hear stories from each other, and we get to lift each other up. And listen, as this year goes on, we're going to be adding more things, we're going to be doing more things. One of the things that I'm so burdened about is uh, the, the high rate of, uh, of, of um, substance abuse and suicide in our society, especially around here. We're going to be starting up um, Celebrate Recovery in our church again this year. It's For those of you who don't know, Celebrate Recovery is like uh, AA with a biblical basis and foundation. We're going to get that going again. There's a lot of things we want to start doing so that we can bring people. Listen, most people aren't going to come to a Sunday morning. And quite honestly, we're not a seeker-friendly church, right? Our, our philosophy of ministry on Sunday mornings is not seeker-friendly. You'll find Jesus here. You'll hear the gospel. You'll hear how to get saved. 
But Sunday morning is family dinner. It's where the church comes together to be fed. Right? You get fed in here so you can go out there and spread the gospel. Jesus didn't say, um, go out into the pews and the classrooms and compel them to come in. He said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. I believe that means use Facebook. I believe that means use the Twitter. The Twitter. The, uh, what are some of the other ones? I don't know. The TikTok. I don't know. I'm not on TikTok. I don't let my boys have TikTok. Zach's too old. He can have whatever he wants. <laughs> but I believe we use this. You can, you, you can bemoan this stuff and you can complain about it. You can curse the darkness or you can turn on a light. You can curse the darkness or you can light a fire. Light a fire in my soul. Fan the flames and watch it grow. Listen, man, we got to hurry because we've got a lot to do this morning. Where are we? Where are we? The Twitter. The Twitter. Yeah, we're on the Twitter. Um, listen, can I just say this? I'm quoting myself again. We need to stop quoting that Jesus wants to give you a future and a hope and start acting on that. Start building that future and a hope. We keep saying, oh, Jesus wants to give you a future and a hope. Okay, are you living that way? Seriously, man, are you building that future? Because right here, this is the mortar and bricks of building a future and a hope. Right here. You know where you, you, know where you, you, know, you, know where you sharpen your tools? Right here. Right here. Well, I, I can't grow at New Life. Then find a church you can grow in, man, because I'm all about growing in your faith. And if this is not the, and I, I don't, this is meant with love and sincerity. If you can't grow here, find a place you can grow. I believe you can grow here. I believe all you have to do is plant yourself in the soil. I believe it. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. Activity, health, polity, and functionality of the church is taught and modeled in the Bible. True service doesn't determine our value or our place in ministry. The song Follow Me by Ira Stamphill, I love it. It's one of the greatest mission songs ever written. Part of, his, part, part of one of the choruses he wrote says, If just a cup of water I place within your hand, then just a cup of water is all that I demand. Stop being, stop being so depressed about what Jesus hasn't given you and how he hasn't gifted you and start being thankful for what he's gifted you with. Stop trying to bite off more than you can chew and chew what you have. You know when you choke? You know how you choke? You stuff too much in your mouth. Anybody had to rescue their kid from choking before? Had to smack Michael on the back one time because he almost a half a hot dog. He swat. Kevin, Michael is a hot dog machine, man. But he had that thing lodged and he couldn't breathe. He came out to me and he's, his face is turning white. We could tell. Puerto Ricans, they, when they go white, you could tell. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I just smacked him on the back. Hot dog came popping out. It was like a scene from uh, Field of Dreams. You choke when you take, when you bite off more. Stop trying to bite off more than you can chew and start chewing what you've got. Start digesting it. Allow it to start growing you and strengthening you. Be the best you can be with what you have. Stop trying to have everything. Start using what you have. 
Dr. Martin Luther King said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college education to serve. You don't even have to make your subjects and verbs agree to serve, and I'm so thankful for that. You only need a heart full of grace. You only need a heart full of grace. Mm. Mm -mm. Church discipline and difficult relationships are addressed in the church. It is, listen, church, it is time we started getting along. In the, in the words of that great philosopher, Rodney King, can we all just get along? Can we all just get along? Stop jockeying for position. Stop comparing yourself. Stop comparing us to other churches. Stop bemoaning what you had there that you don't have here and start getting along here. Stop the competition. Just get along. Just serve. I try to make it very clear cut. And you'll see in our business, if you're, if you're going to stick around for the business meeting, if you're voting member, you stick around, you'll see that if you read our church constitution, you'll see that there's only one pastor in this church. I have most of the power. Like that or not, that's the way it was written. I didn't write it. I didn't write the constitution. I was just a kid when that constitution was written. But those men and women that wrote that constitution obviously saw that they wanted something that, something that way because it wasn't so, for whatever reason. So you know what? Stop competing for my job. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Stop trying to undermine my authority. Stop trying to go behind my back. Just do what you do. Just stop, man. Just do what you do. It's that simple. It's that simple. I don't go to your workplace and start undermining you and going behind your back to change things there. So stop it here and just get along. You know what I'm saying? Just get along, folks. It's that simple. And that's not just new life. That's every church. Every church has these problems. Bigger to, what is that? More money, more mo, mo money, more problems, right? More people, more problems. It's the way it is. Just get along. Perhaps the hardest admonition to live out is found in Romans, 17, or Romans 12, 8. If possible, as far as it depends on you. On you. Not them, not them, not her, not him. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Responsibility for, for peaceful relationships depends on you. Church meeting and finance is established in the Bible. Church membership is endorsed in the Bible. And church service, this is where we're going to end it, church service is expected in the Bible. True service is ordinary, extraordinary, and creative. Someone once said, don't feel bad if, if people remember you only when they need you. Feel privileged that you are like a candle that comes to their mind when there is a darkness. Peter Marshall said, small deeds done are better than great deeds planned. Winky Prattney, one of my favorite names ever, Winky Prattney, said, those that God used in the past were just ordinary people with an extraordinary master. They were not all champions of great faith, but little people who saw their own need and put their small faith in a great God. True service is the lifeblood of the church. Folks, listen, it's not me. It's not my personality. It's not my ability. It's not, any, it's not my preaching. Not anything about that. It's not my planning. 
that's going to build this church. I am not the lifeblood of New Life Church. True service is the lifeblood of this church. Brothers and sisters in Christ who get involved are the lifeblood of this church. D.L. Moody said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And that which I can do by the grace of God, I will do. Billy Graham said, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. As we close, 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, since you are desirous for spiritual gifts, since you want spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. You want to be noticed, or do you want the church to be successful? You want to be lifted up and seen, or do you want to see people grow in their faith and see other people come to know Jesus as their Savior and see this area turned on its head for Jesus Christ? Well, you know, I've been hurt, Pastor John. I've been hurt by church. I know, man. I know. We can have a support group meeting for that, can't we? We can start a whole ministry on hurt. Have a whole, we, we can have this place filled. We can, we can do 17 services a day if we want to focus on hurt. Let me tell you, if you wait until you're healed from your hurt to start serving... You will never serve God. Can I tell you that? If you wait until you're healed from your hurt before you start serving, you will never serve God. Listen, man, I've got, I've got spiritual scars all over me. And anybody who's walked with the Lord, talk to Joan, talk to my mom, talk to Melvin, who grew up as pastor's kid. Uh, Talk to anybody here who's grown up in church. We all have scars. Some of us still have open wounds from church abuse. I'm so sorry you had to go through it. I truly am. That's not the way church is supposed to be. But if you're waiting to, for the healing of your hurt before you start serving, then you will never serve God. Well, I need my attitude right. I just don't agree. I think you need to serve and let God change your attitude. I think it's easier to pray for people than talk about people. And if you start praying for people, you'll talk about them less. In short, in conclusion, as we bring it to a close, it's about putting him first. And that's what we're doing here at New Life. As we move forward, listen... As we move forward after COVID into this new year, you may not like what I do. You may not like the choices I make. You may not like the moves I make. But please, please, please understand I'm doing it because I spend my life praying for this church, serving. <laughs> With a broken heart for this church, I've given my life to this church I've given family to this church it's the least I can do like my mom said how can I not serve him he died for me
How about you? How about you? Listen, man, I know, I know. It's not easy to get along with everybody. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? I'm sorry we're going to be late. Oh, well. Can we just talk? Listen, man. Put your ego aside. Put your hurt aside. Can we just get to the business of Jesus? That's all I want. As your pastor, that's all I want. Oh, I don't like the way we do this. And all. I don't. Can I tell you how much I don't care? <laughs> you know what? I don't like the way most New Englanders cook. Just the, just the truth of the matter. It's boring. It's dull. Can I get an amen, Jimmy? Amen. That's right. Put a little adobo in that. Come on. A little garlic here and there. It wouldn't hurt you. Right? A little hot sauce. Hot sauce on the taco helped me, help me witness in Morocco. Right? You had to grow up in church for that. Thank you. Give me gas for my Ford. Keep me trucking for the Lord. Right? Thank you. Thank you. Church, it's time to get to the business of Jesus and the business of building a church. Wherever you fit in, wherever you fit in. Enough said. Lord, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for these two weeks, God, they've been so powerful in my life. Lord, in the midst of amazing stress and difficulty, you've been there. And you've been leading the whole way, and I'm so thankful. God, I pray for this church. I pray for our future. I pray for our present. God, may we get it together and bring it together and move forward. We're coming out of an incredibly strange time, Lord. May we just get it together and move forward. Lord, let us not be people of judgment, but people of love, because that's who you are. as we enter this time of remembrance and then fellowship. Uh, may we honor you. God, that's our purpose. That's our main focus, that we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.